cash flow. Item 19, digital marketing, estate planning. If those terms cause you to pause even for a second, this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser. We cover a new topic each week, clearly and concisely. Business insights not piled on you like you are a buffet plate, but each topic broken down and easy to digest. Welcome to Small Bites of Business Insights. Hello, this is Kathy, and welcome to Talking Financials. And I'm here with my good friend from Profit Soup, Barb Ness. Hey, Barb, let's talk balance sheets. Most business owners are familiar with the profit and loss statement and have a routine for reviewing it, but they don't spend much time looking over the balance sheet. On the other hand, bankers zero right in on that balance sheet. Why is that? Well, I think the most common reason why business owners overlook the balance sheet is because they don't know what to look for. So they don't know how it can help them make better decisions and run a better business. And they're also kind of hardwired to be concerned about driving sales and driving profit. And that information is nowhere to be found on the balance sheet. It's all in the income statement. Now, take the banker's perspective or a lender, they're concerned with risk, right? They're concerned that they won't get paid back for the loan they made. And that's what happens when a business has more debt than it can handle. The P&L doesn't show the debt, the balance sheet does. So the point of risk and the point that the banker cares the most about is right there on the balance sheet. Oh, now that makes sense. But there's more to the balance sheet than just the debt, right? Oh, sure there is. So, but if I'm a lender, I'm looking at how the balance sheet is changing over time. Mm -hmm. And if they're building cash reserves that I think that they might be able to use if something goes wrong, right? So that's eliminating that risk too. Other things that they might look to see how accounts receivable and inventory are tracking. Will those fully depreciated equipment and assets, are they going to need to be replaced soon? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, am I going to need more money than I have to get that done? Mm -hmm. And if I'm a lender, I'm also going to assess liquidity of the business. So not just the risk, but the liquidity. And what that means is whether they have the cash flow they need to pay the bills that are coming due. So I could tell that by comparing my accounts payable, like the stuff I'm going to have to pay out to my cash on hand, right? So that kind of gives me a sense of, hey, are they going to be able to pay their bills? Mm -hmm. I might also take my accounts receivable and my inventory account because I'm going to convert some of those to cash. I'm going to collect some of those receivables. I'm going to sell some of that inventory before I have to pay those bills. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at the relationships of those things. And you can't tell any of that from the income statement. Ah, that's so true. So I suppose if I'm a business owner, I would care about those things too. Well, you certainly should, but you might be that person who, as I said before, is just hardwired to focus on sales and figure if I do a good job and I keep my foot on the gas, everything's going to work itself out. Oh, Barb, if it could only be that simple. Yeah. Simple would mean that the business has no inventory, has no accounts receivable, has no equipment, and has no debt. Now, it's not impossible that there would be such a business. There are some simple businesses out there, but most businesses have some of these complications. And you can see them on the balance sheet, and these are things that need to be managed. So the balance sheet measures them. And then from measuring them, we can 
assess then how efficiently we manage them. Okay. So now we're getting into the ways that business owners can actually use the balance sheet to manage better. Correct. Use the income statement to assess whether you're driving sufficient sales and controlling expenses, right? Mm -hmm. But use the balance sheet to assess how you're managing your assets and your cash flow and how well you're controlling your debt. Okay. So one of the things I really want to ask you to go deeper on is depreciation because it can cause a lot of confusion. And I get this question a lot. I'm hoping you can shed some light, but why is depreciation a minus? Hey, I've heard that question too. So we have to remember that the assets that are on the balance sheet represent the things that we own. That's what an asset is. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that we own, we call them fixed assets. Those are hard assets like delivery vehicles and production machinery and office equipment, maybe even buildings and building improvements. There's stuff that we have that when we buy it, we don't expect it to pay for itself that day. Mm-hmm. We know it's going to have a, a a life that extends into the future. When we buy them, we put them onto the balance sheet at what we paid for them at their cost. Okay. But their value, it goes away over time because they get worn out as we use them. Mm-hmm. So we call that loss of value depreciation. That's what depreciation is. It's the it's measuring how uh, the value goes away over time. And so the number that you see on that line called vehicles is like the cost of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. So let's just say we bought it for $100,000. That's the cost and the number that shows up on the balance sheet as a fixed asset in vehicles. Mm -hmm. So in the first year we own it, some of that value goes away. Let's just say in this example, it should last us five years. We'll assume the value goes away equally each year, just to make it simple. Mm-hmm. So in year one, $20,000 of the value goes away, right? Mm-hmm. Then we get into year two, another $20,000 of that value goes away. So now we have $40,000 in depreciation that has accumulated. Mm-hmm. So that word accumulated depreciation that you see with the minus around it mm-hmm. is that $40,000 is the value that's gone away. So I take my 100 minus the depreciation that's accumulated, leaves me with a a net book value, like the net number on the books Mm -hmm. of 60. So I'm saying here, you can see I paid 40 for it, but I paid 100 for it, but 40 of that value has gone away. So now it's only on my balance sheet at 60. So when you see accumulated depreciation on the balance sheet, you know that's the portion of the assets that have been used up or like the value of it that's gone away. Gotcha, gotcha. So, but with the tax laws today, most people depreciate the entire asset in the first year. So wouldn't that make the net book value zero? Yes, it does. And that might be a little misleading, right? Because is it still worth something? Yeah. So now your books aren't really telling you the true story. I like taking big tax deductions. That's okay. Um, But when the bank looks at my assets and says they're worth zero and she's got a bunch of debt, um, that's going to spark some questions. Oh, I I can see that. But wouldn't you want to take all the deductions that you can? You absolutely do. But to really understand your economic reality, you might record a different depreciation number for the financial statements than you do for your tax return. And that is perfectly legal. 
It's okay to take advantage of tax rules on the tax return and use some other method of deciding how much of that value goes away and when that really approximates your economic reality. So your accountant can write off the maximum deduction for depreciation on your tax return, even if you show a different number on the statement. So you pay less tax, but your financial statement doesn't show your banker that you look horrible, right? You want to be telling a more profitable story, right? When it comes to the bank and actually when it comes to yourself, right? You want to know the real profit of the business. This is called a book to tax difference and it's perfectly legal. You know, that's really helpful because I think a lot of people aren't aware that you can do that. Yeah, you're right. Um, The accountant assumes that you want your tax work done for as little as possible. Mm -hmm. And it is a little bit more work for the accountant to show that book to tax difference on the tax return. You know, there's some more entries they have to do and it takes a little more time. But any business owner who takes big depreciation deductions should talk to their accountant about this because you want to keep your financial statements real. You want to keep them giving you the economic reality because you're going to make decisions based on that, on how you'll manage, and your bank's going to make decisions on that based on how they'll lend. That's great to know. Let's switch gears just a little bit. In our last couple of minutes, talk about financial ratios. Now we teach learners to use financial ratios to measure liquidity, risk, and asset efficiency. Right. And those are all balance sheet ratios. The number you need to do those come off the balance sheet. Another good reason to look at the balance sheet. Yes. And those ratios are really important to lenders. Can you tell us more? Yeah, they really are. Some of those ratios may even be written into the loan covenants. For example, if you have a line of credit secured by your accounts receivable in your inventory, your credit limit might be limited to the receivables that are less than 60 days old, or the inventory might have to stay within certain requirements of turning the inventory over at a certain rate or having inventory only, they'd only land on the inventory that is less than say 90 days old or something like that. So they'll look at that efficiency and say, are you managing those assets we're lending on well? And they use the balance sheet information to calculate those ratios. You know, the loan might even say that the current ratio has to say under a certain number. The current ratio defines the amount of current assets on hand for every dollar in current liabilities. So the bank wants to see that you have more current assets, that's stuff that's cash and going to turn to cash, than you have stuff that needs to be paid with that cash, right? right? So if your accounts payable got way out of hand, and that ratio got out of whack, I have way more going out than I have the ability to pay, then they could potentially pull that credit line. So you absolutely need to review those covenants so you know what you're promising when you sign that. Oh, that makes so much more sense. You know, thanks for talking balance sheet with us today and really giving us some insights that we hadn't thought about, particularly with depreciation, tax laws, ratios. This is just great information. Thank you, Barb. You're welcome. Thank you to our partner in the financial section of Small Bites of Business Insights, Ms. Barbara Ness. Barbara is the owner of Profit Soup, which is a company that will provide you with training and support for all your financial needs in franchising. Small Bites of Business Insights is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. If you have a question or comment for us, just send us an email at feedback at smallbitesofbusinessinsights.com.